0: For me, my bottom was actually what the world would tell you you needed to have in order to feel whole and successful. I mean, to your point, traveling the world, notoriety, fame, money, just everything that you can envision that you should have in order to be whole and successful and happy and joyful and content. I had all of that. And yet I found myself jokingly, but it's actually true at two o'clock in the morning, Putting my CDs in alphabetical order because my mind would not shut off, mm. and it was in that moment there was this moment of clarity, um, in which you you know you just feel impressions, and and I felt as though God was saying to me, I haven't called you to this.
1: Tyler, you remember those uh Dos Equis commercials back in the day, the most interesting man in the world? Yes. We have found the most interesting man in the world today. Hold on. <laughs> let me, let me oh, oh yeah, you, you, that's, no, right, that's right. That's right. <laughs> no, not you. Our guest, and if you're watching on YouTube, our guest today, uh, that you see, the best looking man on the set, yeah, the most in-shape sure. looking man on the set. Yeah. All the well, above. Agree, agree. Michael Perone. M- per- Perone. Parent, parent, parent. have called a lot worse. Michael so, Parent. So I say. probably should have asked you how to pronounce your name before we before we started. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, <laughs> it's all
0: good. Uh, Actually, so
1: anyways, so we
2: just met. Yeah. So we've got so we've got Mike Perrin on. So Mike is the pastor of Life Recovery for Prestonwood yeah. Baptist Church, which, if you're in Texas, you know what Prestonwood is, right? Um, mm-hmm. and you were just joking that you work at the mothership, which Correct, is the Plano, the Plano campus. campus. Um, And then they've got a Prosper campus uh, and then looking at going north eventually, uh, continuing to grow to grow that footprint. But uh, an incredible congregation. They've got a private school there. Um, You may know them from from high school sports, uh, but the 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 church there um, and the leadership there is a staple here in the DFW Mm -hmm. area and just making a huge impact uh, on our community. And, and what you're doing there. We're going to get into what, what you're doing there at Prestonwood. But like you said. Yeah, before you hijacked my intro. Uh, well, when, you, when you mispronounce <laughs> a last name like that, you lose all privileges.
1: The most interesting man that we've ever spoken to yeah. because not only that incredible title that you just referenced, mm-hmm. but he also has a background in psychology. We're going to talk about that today. A background in fitness. We're going to talk about that. He has. He's a father. He's a husband. So a lot of great aspects, very interesting aspects. So, Michael, thank you so much for coming. Absolutely,
0: Glad to be with you guys.
1: Glad to have you on the podcast today. So we were talking a little bit before and we were joking that, you know, it's always tough on these to, you don't want to say too much before you press record because you don't want to, you know, ruin all the bad, you don't want to keep it, keep it interesting. So, uh, but what we were talking about was just some of your life story and just what you've been through. And I think people are going to really take away a lot today. Uh, based on your personal experience based on what you're doing now and so we're excited to dive into it so let's dive into it let's start we always like to start at the beginning kind of set the stage get to know our guests so for you where were you born what was family life like take us back to the beginning
0: all right all the way back so grew up first of all it's great to be with you guys Yeah, yeah and you know Biggest guy on the set? I don't think so. We'll just—I'll just leave it at that. Grew up in Minnesota. Mike, was that a fat joke? Uh, I'll just leave it out. Is that I'll, we're I'll black? just let it be. I'll it's just slimming. let it be. It's slimming. Minnesota is where it all started. Okay. So, grew up in an environment that was supportive, was loving, was caring. Uh, it was one of those kind of uh, leave it to Beaver households, suburbs of um, Minnesota, Minneapolis, really. And grew up there playing sports, playing athletics. Uh, was involved in hockey primarily. Oh yeah, uh, was that sport, and then soccer on the other side of that as well. And again, grew up with pretty authentic relationships across the family line. Have a younger sister. Uh, parents are still married after you know fifty-seven years now. Wow. And so it was one of those moments where I grew up, and you look at my life, and you thought I have no problems whatsoever. Yeah, uh, I did have some significant problems from the standpoint of I, I just really didn't know who I was. Mm. And so for me, I was on a journey and I was searching for meaning. I was searching for my identity. Uh, I thought it was an athlete for a while. Mm. I thought it was a model for a while. Uh, for, and then for a season in there, I got so confused. I thought it was the fact that if I went out and drank alcohol, smoked dope, and, you know, had fun with my friends, maybe that was my identity. Mm. So I walked through the first about 18 years of my life just clueless clueless yeah. of who i was
2: so so let's let's dig into that the family dynamic there because again you said you, you lived with two parents still married mm-hmm. from from an optical perspective like it looked like you guys had it all together uh, but inside what were those conversations like with your parents because we're we're close in age right and so it's it's our parents in that generation that, that preceded us very much was like don't talk about it right and it's just kind of hey do what you're supposed to do uh be seen not heard That kind of that old school mentality, was it like that in the house or were your parents, was conversations open about things maybe you're struggling with, questions you had, or was it, hey, just perform?
0: uh, Performance was most likely. Now, that's what I perceived. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The reality of that may have been something totally different. Had I been willing to take a risk and maybe go to my parents and get honest with them, Uh, But again, a majority of our life as athletes, I mean, we're talking to a bunch of athletes probably listening to this podcast right now. It's all about how fast, how strong can you do it? Can you do any better than you're doing right now? And so there's this dissatisfaction that's associated with life. You're never quite good enough. I mean, even if you win the, you know, the state championship, which is a huge deal in Minnesota. I mean, it's like the football championship here. You get done with a game and you walk off the ice and you're thinking to myself, is that it? I mean, Hmm. What up? Yeah. What do I do now? Yeah. Because,
2: all of that. And I feel like this.
0: Yeah. But the conversations with my parents um, were av- I'm sure they were available. It was me not taking the risk to make it something that yeah. would happen. Yeah, um, They were supportive. My dad can't tell the number of times he would tell me you can do anything you put your mind to.
1: Oh, those are the conversations you've had. Yeah,
0: and my mom's the same way. Hey, you're going to be good. You're going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. Which, again, maybe planted a seed in me that, what do I do when things aren't okay? Yeah. What do I do if things aren't working well for me? You're already stirring stuff up in me.
2: (sighs) Because literally, that that's my story. Like, my parents are amazing. Mm -hmm. And I feel guilty talking about the fact that I had this performance identity from a very young age because not – I, to this day, don't feel that it's, it, it has nothing to do with them, but it very much was like reaffirmed, like, oh, you're going to be great. You're going to be awesome. You're do great. You're, our, uh, you know, you're our athlete. You're this, you're that like building me up, like as a parent would, and I would do the same with my kids. And then, but internally it was like, all right, I've got to be tough. I've got to be that gladiator that they're making me out to be. And I've got to perform to continue getting that praise to continue getting those things. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's interesting that similar experiences, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, and we carry that over into our adulthood as yeah. well. So the, the quandary that you run into is what happens when things don't go well. Yeah. Where do I go? Who do I turn to? And my default was to escape. My yeah. default was to just say, basically the heck with this, I'm going to go out and party. So yeah. that began the, the journey down a, a dark road for me.
1: Yeah. I want to get into that, but back to your parents real quick. Because this is something I'm fascinated, with being a young father of, of young boys and just parenting techniques and how much you do for them, how much you let them fail, all, all that. So, how did your parents approach? It sounded like verbally they were reinforcing you and, and and building you up, but as far as struggle, as far as allowing you to figure things out, were they hands off in that way? Were they how did they approach you in that way?
0: Yeah, much of it was was hands off. Mm-hmm. You know that you're going to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, and that's just kind of the environment I grew up in. You know, so much of it um, is about us attributing honor to our parents uh, and honesty. And so we have these two dialectically opposed things in our head that if I choose to be honest about my parents and what they are and what they did, I'm dishonoring who they are. And so we have this conflict in our spirit, in our hearts, that if I say, if I'm really honest about the fact that, you know what, not my case, my dad really wasn't that great of a guy. He worked too much. He wasn't there for me. I mean, he really didn't build me up. But if we talk honestly about that, I'm not honoring who he was. Yeah. The the issue is they're both the same. They can work in tandem with one another that because I, if I'm not being honest mm-hmm. about life in general, I'm going to create this scenario that is a facade. And that's what I did. I just, I prayed to God. My athletic friends did not meet my burnout friends, Mm -hmm. you know, at any given time. And so that was this opposition, but getting back to your kids, you know, the, the way I raised, and I I hopefully have done a decent job with ours. I've got a 22 year old who's at OU Mm -hmm. he's in the Naval ROTC program up there. He's one of those kids that I, you know, I wish I would have been him in college. Yeah. I mean, he's that kind of kid. <laughs> yeah, uh, We have an 18-year-old. Her name is Bella. She's another superstar athlete, you know, all-state soccer goalie. And then we have a, a little one who's Michaela. She's six years old. And people wonder, mistake? And we, we have to encourage them, no, she was not a mistake. She was a choice. Yeah. Uh, we had a mom who was very, very brave that attended the church that I pastored. She came in with a, in a pretty difficult situation and asked if my wife and I would be willing to adopt her. So we received her as a gift, right from the day she was born. And she has been, it's her, her middle name. She has been a joy to us ever since. That's amazing. But you know, as I raise my kids, the thing that I encourage them is when they make a mistake, when they go off and do something that's not recommended, like, you know, driving 119 miles an hour on the tollway, it's probably not something probably not, you want to yeah. do. You have You have a choice. The default is, you're not going to drive and would take away your keys and you lose your phone for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Or the other choice is identifying what in him or what about you made you think that that was okay. Mm -hmm. And so for me, what I try to do is when I speak to my kid's life or anybody else's life, I just remind them that's not who you are. Mm -hmm. That, that isn't, I know who you are and that type of behavior is not who you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are consequences for your behavior, but it's not punishment because you guys are probably aware punishment has never worked to change a heart it just hasn't
2: yeah heart changes that's changing some your your child's heart and that's where strip my my eight year old son is ninety percent of the time like servant's heart like just loves loves helping loves serving you know feels for others and I mean he's empathetic and then there's times that you're just like who are you? Like, where did that come from? You know? And, and so, but so the heart change and I agree. And my default is like, Oh, discipline. Like, that's what we do. We're going to discipline. And, and it's, and my wife, thank God is wise, way, way wiser than I am. Um, you know, she will sit down and have that conversation she, and and talking about heart. Um, you know, as a parent, it's just exhausting. Cause it's, it feels like you're beating your head against the wall sometimes, but yeah, I mean, it's a challenge. Okay, so in, in your in your case, um, and and please don't take this out of context or offensive or anything. But you were athletic. Obviously, you were a great looking guy. At what point? I mean, did you feel like in your life when things went wrong, you're like, and everything's been good. Everything has been. So when it goes wrong, is it because I deserve it? Or is it just because I'm not good enough? I mean, what's going in your in your mind when it does go wrong and you do feel like you're escaping?
0: Yeah, I, or wanting to escape. For me, it, the only person to blame was me. And so it all came back Did you to, have that, me. that awareness at that time? Probably not, okay. no. I mean, at 16, 17-year-old. Yeah, I, mean, I was neuro- going to say, that's
1: impressive if you <laughs> were <laughs> no, taking ownership. <laughs> neurobiologically,
0: I mean, studies are now revealing. I mean, the, our brains guys. I mean, yeah. if you can't make up your mind, that's a really a true thing uh, because by and not until the age of 24 is your brain even fully capable right. of being online. And even then it takes a little bit longer, but it's yeah, 16. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm 30, still working on you it. Said a 34? Bit. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, my looking back on it, I mean, I guess we're getting a little retrospective on it, but looking back on it, my only default was to turn back to me. Yeah. And so who was going to get me out of it? Me. Who was going to get me to where I needed to be? Me. Um, my attitude was, if you want to do done right, do it yourself. Yeah. Uh, and which alienates you from a lot of people and it isolates you. And then you hate the fact you're isolated, but yet who are you going to trust? And, and it's this vi- this efficacious, vicious cycle that we find ourselves in across the board. Um, and just, I don't know if we're go- we'll go after this dark path that it leads you on. For me, it was turning to to alcohol and drugs, and that led into, well, you name it, um, everything from, you know, cocaine, ecstasy, methamphetamine, the whole bit, Um, and in the throes of all of that, uh, I had an encounter with God, and, you know, he just met me face to face, Um, but I wasn't willing to do the work. I wasn't willing to change my behavior or my mindset towards him or towards myself and believe what he actually said about me. And I still wanted to prove that I could do it on my own.
2: What was your, I mean, what was your faith journey like leading up to that face-to-face meeting that you just described?
0: Great question. I grew up in the church, um, but it was more of a reverential God's out there. Yeah. And he's supposed to be revered ecumenical in nature. And so there was a process, everything was about process, do this, do this, do this. And so if you weren't good at the process, Mm -hmm. then you had to make amends, you had to go to confession, you had to do some other things in order to get you into right standing, you know, with the the God who created you. Mm -hmm. Very confusing for me. Went to an all boys Catholic military high school. And in one class, they're telling you to turn the other cheek. And in the other class, you're locking and loading an M1. So... You're, 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 and at 17, I mean, what are you supposed to do with that? How do you process that? Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How did you process, you know, there's this entity that's judging me on the outside. We call God. And yet I'm here addicted to drugs and alcohol, clearly not living the way that this entity would (laughs) appreciate. How did you balance those in your head? Or was it, I was just so far addicted into addiction that it didn't even I was, I was just so far gone. I mean,
0: addiction became, when I say addiction, my addiction was really just different to different. So if it made you feel different or it altered you in any way, that's what I wanted because I was so uncomfortable with who I was with my identity and, and the person that I had become, um, you know, the, the hypocrite, all these other things that we want to label ourselves. But I, I didn't have a clue. I was searching and searching and searching uh, and I found meaning in fitness.
1: Yeah, I was I was listening to a, a video you did, and you were talking about while you were addicted to drugs and alcohol, <laughs> you actually found fitness, which you don't really put those two together very often. How did that How did that come about?
0: So I got involved in teaching aerobics or group fitness back in the nineties. Yeah, uh, and that was a, a great environment. Just you know, you stay fit. You pay, paid pretty well mm-hmm. at the time. Um, but in the midst of that I discovered what my bane of my existence was was methamphetamine Mm -hmm. and so it was the perfect little g god for me kept me up kept me moving kept me lean kept me active all these other things and it starts out real grandiose right I mean you're social you're personable everything else and by the end of it this vortex just wraps you in where you're you know, alphabetizing your CDs at two o'clock in the morning because you know, you're just tweaked out. Right. Um, but in the midst of that, the world came crashing in. And so I got a, a call from time Warner, and they wanted me to do this abs and chest of steel video for them. Yeah, uh, yeah. and that was
1: in, around '94, you said.
0: Yeah, right about when you were so, born. So yeah. go to
1: Google, type <laughs> in abs of steel, and, and you'll no, you'll see his. Yeah,
2: I mean, we're <laughs> we're fairly close in age, but like I grew up abs of steel. Like that well, was like that's what it was. Like I was
1: telling him, there was an eight minute abs video we used to do. So I yeah.
2: I, I absolutely I didn't remember but, abs but I of mean, steel, it but it was it was like that coined phrase like abs of steel it wasn't just like a thing it was like that's oh oh dude that dude's got abs of steel like it was it was a term that now identified someone that was fit like it took over a decade Mm -hmm. of actual fitness so walk
0: us through that like (laughs) so I'm I'm teaching aerobics and you know I'm in I'm in the midst of my insanity along the way and this producer's coming through uh over in Fort Worth, basically, and they're looking for the next guy, whoever this next guy happened to be. And so a person said, hey, you should go check out this deal. Went out there, met the producer. Um, She looked at me and she said, you know, if you're interested, we need another guy to do this abs and chest of steel. So I did that. Uh, It was a tremendous success at the time. Uh, And then came all other telephone calls from all the other fitness industries. Uh, So then High Bar Productions, which is body shaping, co-ed training, Kiana was one of the other ones I think that they produced as well. And so that was on ESPN mm-hmm. and was you know broadcast out to 20 some odd million homes in the morning back in the nineties. And that's what I did. And so, but the irony getting back to your initial statement was here I am teaching health and wellness and fitness. And yet I'm going to the bathroom of where I'm teaching and taking speed before I go out wow. and tell everybody else, Hey, don't, don't do what i'm doing right you know you you're better than that so to speak yeah God. yeah addiction's fascinating because it's i mean i've never been
1: addicted to drugs but there's other addictions that i you know i've had and i've struggled with and it like you know you're not supposed to be doing it but it's just so strong you can't break it and i'm assuming that's how it was for, it's like i know i shouldn't be going to the bathroom while i'm teaching aerobics classes but the draw of that feeling is just so good. I can't
0: resist it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I say it like this, you know, at a, at a certain point, not like you guys right now, I used to be able to bench over 300 pounds, but a gram destroyed my life. Wow. Dang. That's a good
1: analogy. That's why. I want to take a quick break and thank our partner's sleep number and highlight a couple of things they're doing. Guys, these sleep number beds are unreal. The technology that they've created the feedback that it gives you on your sleep. I've got the app opened up right here. They tell you things like your heart rate, your heart rate variability, your breathing rate, all of these type uh, metrics and feedback to give you so that you can improve your quality of sleep. They're all over the place. You can go and check yourself out, a sleep number store, wherever you live, go to sleepnumber.com as well. They've got great resources on there. We just talked about this not too long ago. They have a whole blog section, all these articles, things that you can improve your health. Sleep Number is definitely changing the game when it comes to betting. So get yourself to Sleep Number. Get yourself to sleepnumber.com and check them out. Now back to the episode.
2: So you're doing all these fitness, your notoriety, your popularity, your success is growing in the industry professionally. But personally, like you said, you're, you're spiraling. So walk us through that that point where, okay, Hey, it all came crashing down or what, or did it, or did you sustain that for a while?
0: I I sustained it for about six and a half years. Wow. Um, daily usage. I mean, it's one of those where, you know, if you tell a physician what I used to do to my body, they just flat out won't believe you. Tyler, you're still alive. Yeah. Tyler Cooper is a my doctor, a friend of mine down here at the Cooper Institute. uh And I tell him, he's like, there's no way. (laughs) And I'm like, I, that will put down a horse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's interesting. You said what came crashing down? It wasn't crashing down. That was my bottom. It was actually being lifted up Hmm. for me. My bottom was actually what the world would tell you. You needed to have in order to feel whole and successful. I mean, to your point, traveling the world, notoriety, fame, money, just everything that you can envision that you should have in order to be whole and successful and happy and joyful and content. I had all of that. And yet I found myself jokingly, but it's actually true at two o'clock in the morning, putting my CDs in alphabetical order because my mind would not shut off. Mm. And it was in that moment, there was this moment of clarity um, in which you, you know, you just feel impressions and and I felt as though God was saying to me, I haven't called you to this. Yeah. And so you're having this awkward, weird kind of conversation with him. And I said, well, what did you call me to? And he said, get up. I've got something I want to show you. Well, I didn't have to get up because I didn't go to sleep, but I ended up going <laughs> down to a little church in downtown Dallas that I'd never been to. Somebody had told me about it. And stumbled into the church, again, did Guys, I'm being real honest, did speed in the bathroom of a church, walked out, sat in the second to the last row. And then this worship music begins, things start happening, and this little old lady who I'd never met before says to this pastor, who I'd never met before, says, Pastor, I believe God has a story and a word for somebody here in the church. And this pastor hands this old lady a microphone, and I'm looking for a place to hide because I knew it I felt it. Yeah, I feel, man. Oh man. Oh. I feel it right now. Yeah. It's just one of those things where you're like, this is going to be life transformational right now. Mm-hmm. And here she comes walking up the aisle of the church and I'm, I'm praying, I'm just trying to hide. And she looks at me and she says, young yeah. man, God wants you to know he's going to restore the years the locusts have eaten. <laughs> I know, I tell the story and people are like, there's no way. And I had, if we didn't have 125 witnesses, one of them being my current wife who was there uh-huh. at the church, it's one of those stories where you, where you think about that. You're like, there's no way. But then I think to myself, what else would a loving God do? Yeah. Why wouldn't he do something like that? Yeah. And yeah. so that was the moment of clarity. My bottom was actually the top. I had mm-hmm. everything the world would say that you should have toward be successful, but I was absolutely miserable. miserable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I, again, stumbled into that church, had that encounter, um, and it was one of those moments where I want to say it was all great from that point forward, but that's really where the work begins. Yeah. Because that's me having to rediscover who I was actually created to be and my true identity. Did that give you a hope for the first time? Oh, like none other. Yeah. I had, you know, you just have this thought, if if God can speak to this drug addict, you know, person in the middle of Dallas at this little bitty church, why how else can I not give him the rest of what I got? Yeah. And that's what he did for me.
2: So what did that journey look like? What did that self discovery and um I guess submission uh, and and submitting that like, hey, God, you have my life in your hands and I'm going to follow you and where you lead me, I'm going to go. I mean, what does that look like?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a matter of, of, of yielding to what he asks you to do. And so it was pretty evident that the environment that I was in was not conducive to yeah. supporting a lifestyle that was beneficial to me. Mm-hmm. And so there was a moment of clarity where it's like I, I needed to drop all the contracts that I had with ESPN oh, wow. and time. Oh, Yeah. I mean, this is real life. This is cold turkey. You're cold turkey. So I called my agent up about a week later and I said, look, I've got to drop these contracts. We had another three years of contracts going. And he said, you can't do that. And I said, I won't survive is what I told him. And he was a dear friend of mine. And he said, I get it. I get it. Okay. I'll make the, I'll make the calls for you. Don't worry about it. We'll, We'll figure it out but can I tell you by being honest about that, I still receive phone calls and messages from the producers and from the directors of those shows saying, we love you. We care for you. We understand. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. We so
2: need- so w- your addiction, was that in secret or was it, did people know that you were struggling with some of that?
0: People know. Yeah. I mean, you think you're keeping it a secret, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but the cat's out of the bag. Yeah. I mean, you know, nobody details their motorcycle at, You know, one thirty in the morning. Yeah, it it kind of gets out. Um, but people who cared knew. Yeah, people who just wanted the performance, they could care less. Ultimately,
1: was money ever a problem during this time? Were you you always had?
0: And that again, that's one of the things that is is the great lie Mm -hmm. that I agreed with. I agreed with this lie. Well, I must be doing something right because I have resources. Yeah, you know, it's all lining up for me. Um, as far as the money and everything else, but now for me, that wasn't ever an issue. Right. Um, it became an issue a little bit later on, yeah. but that's because I, I had to make some tough decisions because you walked away from all of it. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so anytime you walk away from something, I don't, I, I wasn't walking away. I was walking into, uh, uh that's a so good me- mental shift. Yeah. T- people say, well, you got to let go of the past. And I'm like, well, w- w- no, I'm taking hold of something in the future. Uh. That's what I'm taking hold of.
2: Yeah, and I think that's one of the great, uh, one of the great pandemics we're in as a culture and country is we just have everything and we're comfortable, and we never have to lean on God f- to provide, and there's never that faith. Like my wife and I we did a trip to uh, Guatemala City a few years back, and I just remember envying some of the folks down there. That literally lived on top of trash as a landfill filled up, and they'd build their little shanties on it, and they'd squat on the land until they owned it, and they'd dig through the trash for food. And they had more faith than anybody that I had seen in the United States because, like, God, I need you to provide a half eaten banana today so my kid can eat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, we just have so much, and we're so comfortable. I mean I just think of you know the Israelites 40 years in the desert like how do you I God I need you to provide water I need you to provide bread I need you to provide and and that is a place that I I envy Now the question is am I willing am I willing to suffer like that mm-hmm. and I think that's that's a struggle that we all have and a fear that we all have and you chose to say look I'm going to walk away from the money. I'm going to walk away because I am, for the first time, feeling hope. I am feeling joy. I am feeling all these things that God has meant for me. But I have to walk away from what the world says is going to. Would it have been possible to stick with the
0: fitness career and just give up the drugs? Or they went hand in hand in your mind? I th- in, in my head, and my mind, they went kind of hand in hand. Gotcha. Because, again, alluding back to what we discussed before as an athlete, you grow up. Your whole life is about performance. And so for me, it's about being on stage in front of, you know, 1,700 people teaching aerobics. It's about traveling the world, Brazil, Argentina, you know, Portugal, all over the place, doing. and I'm the star of the show performing. (laughs) And so for me, it was really just a, a knock your knees out from underneath you.
2: Through that phase, what were the relationships in your life like? I mean, what was your relationships with your parents? What was relationships with friends? Was it just superficial relationships? Did you have any deep-rooted connection with anybody through that time?
0: Uh, No, no deep-rooted connection with anybody. Most of the relationships were superficial. Okay. Mm. Most of the relationships were really more of what can you do for me? What can I do for you? There really wasn't moments of authenticity. Yeah. Because that would mean that I'm not what you think I am. And I need you to like me. Yeah. And if you don't like me, I'm not performing well. Therefore, I'm not being satisfied with that false identity that I have. Yeah. My parents, you know, they reached a point in my life. I mean, honestly, they reached a point. It was my birthday in my 30s. It was one summer. And, you know, like I said, loving, caring, nurturing, yeah. gifts being sent you know, every Christmas and on my birthday cards, all these other things, that's just what they did. But there was one birthday in there in which I did not receive a phone call or a card from my parents. I received something a little bit later and it was a letter from my mom. And she said, Michael, I love you, but here's something I need to tell you. I I love you with all my heart because I carried you under my heart for 10 months. Mm. But your decisions recently have caused me to say to you, you need help. And until you're able to get that help, we just cannot have you in our lives because it's creating chaos with everybody. That was a moment. That was a moment in which that's where honesty and honor come into place. Like we talked about at the very beginning, that's somebody getting honest enough to honor me with the truth. And that's where I think we need so to So did you at.
1: take that letter with humility or? Did it anger, she was, upset
0: you? It it upset me in the in the flesh, mm. but in my spirit, she was spot on. Yeah. She was absolutely right. That that event in the church happened four months later uh-huh. after I received that letter. Wow! So it was like a precursor of things to come. Yeah, it was just one of those things. Yeah. You
1: mentioned your wife now was in that church. Y'all didn't know each other at the time. Okay, so how did you guys? I'm assuming through the church. how did y'all
0: meet? Yeah, we met there, obviously. um, And it was a matter... I had known her indirectly, um, but never dated, never spent any time, you know, dating her or pursuing her at all. But she was at that church. And I remember um, we were dating and we were actually in the process of getting engaged. And I slipped. I went back out into Mm -hmm. the world and did speed again. And I had to come to her and confess to her, get honest. February 21st, I'll never forget it. February 21st, uh, 1998. And I had to go to her and say, you know what? I've been dishonest with you. Um, I slipped, I went back out, and I, I need help. And she looked at me and she said, okay, here's the deal. I committed to you the day I said yes to marry you. I'm not going anywhere, so get up and let's get some help. And man, I'll tell you what, if you want to, it, like, let's go. Yeah. I mean, it was like, let's go. All right. I'm in. Yes.
2: I'm in. It's a ride or die right there. Yes. But no, I mean,
0: she had every opportunity to yeah. just say, the heck with you, I'm out. Right. Yeah. But no, for the one of the first times in my adult life, I can remember, somebody actually looked at me and said, that's not who you are. Huh. No, you're better than that. And she, you know, if she could have, she would have picked me. She's yeah. smaller, obviously. <laughs> she picked me up. Get going and let's yeah. do this thing. Good and that's her. been 23 years. Wow. 23 years of an amazing, amazing relationship. With so where
2: world. did God lead you in your purpose?
0: So for, from there, from that moment, ESPN, Time Warner, all this other stuff, I took a job at Prestonwood, yeah. spray painting football fields. <laughs> and so I was the guy in the shorts and the right, hat. Hold <laughs>
1: you were on TV, star... Fitness, all that to spray football fields. I mean, spray football fields, shirtless, of course. Well, of I course, mean, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Got to work naturally. on the tan. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like?
0: It's exactly what I needed. Yeah. Because when you think about, I mean, just imagine in your head, uh, spray painting football fields. Yeah. You either do it well yeah. or you don't. Mm-hmm. There's no hiding it. You There's know, no, there, <laughs> you know, we've seen some bad spray painters before. <laughs> so getting back to it. So there was instant accountability, Yeah. right? Wow. Immediate accountability. Um, and you either did it well or you didn't. Yeah. And for me, it was more of a, of kind of a desert time, kind of a sojourning. I was
2: just going to say like, all right, I, I'm in my head. I actually get to deal with my thoughts, not escape and focus on straight lines.
0: And that'll preach right there. I mean, that's exactly what it was. And so for me, it was all about reimagining who I was, as opposed to taking this image that I wanted everybody to have of me and to really make it more about who I was internally, as opposed to that extrinsic kind of thing.
1: And that's another level of humility. I've, I've shared this before. I, after I got done playing college football, I had, had made plans I was going to go play professionally and it, when it didn't work out, my first job was at a furniture store but it was kind of an all-encompassing job I was part janitor part you know maintenance man part furniture mover so I'm literally cleaning toilets when i'm thinking i'm not supposed to be here I'm supposed to be doing this and at the time I didn't handle that well and there was no humility there was a lot of regret there was a lot of uh, what's the word um not regret, but bitterness. There was a lot of bitterness in that time. But for you, it sounds like
0: you were very humble in that moment. What well, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean just a different perspective. Sure. I still knew that there was more, mm. but I you, you have to I mean there's there's a tree in the acorn. Yeah. When you think about it. But you have to be willing to plant the acorn and then give it seasons to develop. Mm -hmm. And renew itself. How old were you again at this time? That was 33. Okay. So I'm brand new married, uh, walking into this thing, taking this job at this new sports outreach ministry that they have at this church. And I need a guy to spray paint football fields. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll do it. $17,000 a year.
1: I was just going to say that money could not have been good compared to what you were. You probably made 17,000 an hour at your previous job.
0: (laughs) But it's exactly what I needed. And in those moments, to your to your point, yeah. wow. that straight line, getting inside yourself, there was a renewal that happened in my life. And so often we think that it's going to be just this instant, immediate, one eighty degree. Everything's going to be fine going the other direction. That's not the way life is. That's not the way you know anybody ever designed it because you wouldn't appreciate it. Yeah, you totally would not appreciate what it means to become a man of character, a man of honor, a man of integrity. Why do we value those things in guys? Because it takes work. I mean, it takes effort for you to just put yourself out there and just say, no, I'm going to stand on this and nothing's going to move me. Yeah. Um, shortly thereafter, we have our son. Our son is born. It's amazing. Uh, spectacular moments in our life. Uh, shortly that we had miscarriages in between, uh, between our son and our daughter. We were told that our daughter was never going to be born by natural means. Um, I said, we're going to give it six months and see what happens. Six months. We got pregnant again. And
2: how did you, how did you handle failure at this point differently than you did at a younger age? When, when there was adversity in front of you, instead of just escaping, how did you handle it
0: at this point in your life? I, I took ownership for my behavior. Mm-hmm. I took ownership for my actions and my choices.
2: But what about like you're, you know, struggling with, with childbirth, struggling with conception, struggling with those things, things are made, were out of your control. How did you struggle with how did you handle those
0: well and that great question really good question because we think that god is punishing us Mm -hmm. from our for our past yeah is that where you're going yeah um i came to a a conclusion that um while the bible says that all things happen are for the good of those who love and are called according to his purpose Mm -hmm. Um, it's not my purpose it's his purpose and that's where entrusting yourself to, to jesus in this case Um, allows you the opportunity to not take responsibility for things that have nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. It wasn't punishment. We live in a fallen world. It wasn't God getting back at me. Um, I look at, you know, God like that. We think God is punishing us for our behavior. um, And which creates a problematic scenario because if I were to do as a father, if I were to do the things that we accuse God of doing to his children, I'd be in jail right now. Mm. So how are we supposed to have faith in a god that does those things? Mm-hmm. Well the reality is he doesn't do those things. He has all authority to stop it if he chooses to. Mm-hmm. But once he does it for one, he has to do it for everybody, you know, and that's kind of the way that works. Who yeah. qualifies, who, you know, you don't earn it. Yeah. That kind of thing. I
2: it's just to me it's uh when when I have conversations with people that you know, whether you, you characterize him as an atheist or just a non-believer uh, to me. I, honestly, I, my level of empathy is just, it's so high because it just seems like such a heavy life. When you believe in karma, when you believe in like, if I do something, it's going to come back to me and, or I deserve this. Or, I mean, and again, Christians and, you know, other bo- people of faith that feel like, Hey, he's punishing me and I deserve this. And what you just said is that, hey, that's not how our God operates. That's He, that's he says not. It. And and like you said, if <laughs> if we did right, and we it, and it was truly, you know, Old Testament style, eye for an eye, like you do this, you're getting this done to you. Um, I mean, I just, but to go through life feeling that, that's just a heavy. That's like walking around with like a ball and chain strapped to your ankle. And then sandbags on your shoulders constantly Mm -hmm. because you just can never escape that. And everything you do, it just feels like, Oh, I'm just waiting for it to come back to me. I'm just waiting to be punished for my previous acts and the freeing. And I mean the, the freeing slash joyful life that you can live, just knowing that it's like, you know what? It's not on me. Like I don't deserve it, but it's not on me. I just, I guess I just am sad sometimes in having those conversations. It's just a heavy life to walk feeling like everything that bad happens to me is because I've done something bad. And I just, I don't know, that's a, that's a hard life to live.
1: Yeah. But so are you saying the people you have had conversations with, they do
2: feel the heaviness? Yeah. Well, no, no, I'm not saying that. I, I just, not that they're going to admit that, but yeah. I mean, and, and I've, and I've shared this and, and, and I, and I, love him, but uh, he's a guy I played with, um, and, and blocked for is a, is a strong atheist, a very outspoken atheist. And, and just the question I have is just like, you feel like everything is on your shoulders, like everything in this world, everything that comes to you, good or bad is on you. And yeah, it's all up to me. Like, I had the same thing. It was like, if I'm going to make it to the NFL, it's because I worked and I I outworked everybody and I was there earlier than everybody. And I stayed longer and I did all these things. I was a lonely, heavy life feeling like it's all up to me. And, and so no, it's not like, Hey, yes, like it's a heavy life, but that I just know that feeling because I lived it for a long time. Even as a believer, I, I lived it because I felt like it was all up to me.
1: Yeah, what are you, what's your experience with that as a, in ministry? You know, with the people that are struggling or doubting or they just don't believe at all, what are you hearing? What kind of feedback are those people giving you?
0: Most of them don't understand their identity. I mean, it gets back to what I alluded to. The whole message is about our identity, rediscovering who, who God created you to be. And, you know, humility, for instance, we talked about humbling yourself and, and various things, like going from the top, and to spray painting football fields, to me, that wasn't humbling. That was actually very appropriate and very much needed for me. So I received it wholeheartedly. Humility to me is actually believing what God says about you. Because when I mess up, I don't feel like I'm doing well, but God says I do that. -hmm. You're just fine. When I do something that is unloving in my, in my estimation, God says, no, I still love you. Yeah. You may have to answer for that. Yeah. There are natural, there are natural consequences for behavior. That's just the way it works. Um, People come in and I, I help guys, you know, break free from bondage to substances or whatever else. And they're wondering why, you know, their wife has left them, their kids don't like them, and they might end up in jail. And I'm just like, well, that's a result of your choices. So natural choices have natural consequences, but it doesn't change the internal hope and joy and peace that you can have even in the midst of all of that. Um, so what I hear a lot from people is, is just that, tell me what I need to do. Yeah. Give me a process, give me a program. And there are appropriate programs for individuals to help them out, but everything rises and falls upon who you believe yourself to be. And is it according to what the world says, or is it according to what God says? Because it's pretty clear. God loves everybody. Plain and simple. Now. Whether or not we're able to, to walk in that love that he has for us is a choice that we make every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, our son, eight years old, gets a brain tumor. You know, eight-year-old kid has a brain tumor, inoperable, the doctors say. And in that moment, I have a decision to make. Am I going to go back to what I formerly believe, which is, you know, the heck with this. I'm going to go out and I'm going to party. Or am I going to press in to all that God has for us? And so in the midst of that brain tumor, We've got 40,000 people watching us in our church. How is this guy, this pastor, going to handle when adversity comes his way? And we handled it the very same way that we would have handled any other situation, which is confidence in what God has for us. Yeah. We, we just reached a point where I came to, came to a decision in my life. I was a Thursday night. I'm going to sleep. And I said, God, you can heal him without even thinking about it. And I'm wrestling with him. We're praying. We're believing that the Lord can do anything for his life. All these other things. God, heal him, heal him, heal him. You could do it if you wanted to. He goes, I want to, but I'm not going to. And I just had this moment where I'm thinking to myself, why? But I didn't ask the question and I just went back to sleep. But miraculously, he has surgery. It's supposed to be inoperable they get a hundred percent of the tumor. He's now, like I said, the 22 year old stud that goes to OU and the Naval ROTC program. It's just,
2: see, that's, I have, you know, not gone through something like that. And, and, and my wife lost her sister. And I Mm look, uh, I look at my, my mother and father-in-law and, and what they went through. And I don't know that I, I would be angry. I think I'm pretty confident that I would be angry with God, and if I'm being honest, like I just I just can't. I just I, I hear that and I'm like, man, that's amazing. I wish that I could just say, okay, all right. If you're not gonna not gonna heal them right now, I just that's that's just a I don't know. I, and maybe because I'm not in it, and I and that's I exactly hope that what I would it is. You
0: realize that's it. what it is, right? People people would say to us in the midst of it. They would say, How are you how I don't how are you ever getting through this? Yeah. And I don't I don't know how you made it is what they would yeah. say. I have no idea how you're making it through this. And my my response to them was, I pray you never have to. Yeah. Because the mercy and the grace and the faith that is necessary to endure is only given in the moment that we need it. Yeah. And so standing from the outside, looking at it. It's not surprising to hear that you would be angry. Things happen in people's lives around me right now. And man, it gets me. And I'm like, oh, I want to do something about this. And yet here they are just walking it out in peace. Yeah, there are moments. Listen, it's not like I was just this, you know, man of power for the hour kind of guy. There were moments. But overall, it was whatever we needed in that moment, it was given to us, and it sustained us as we walk through this thing. Yeah, I
2: see, and see, that's and as I mentioned earlier, it's that like we're at a point where we desperately need Him to provide. And yeah. I just don't know how I would react in that scenario. You know, do I want to give up the? Am I willing to give up the uncomfort? And again, and then you know, then you hear about people in in China that are being executed because they're standing up for their faith, and it's like that's unbelievable. What was it like, it's hard to explain, but I have this
1: overwhelming feeling of protection over my two boys and like would do anything for them. And when they're struggling, it's just, it, it just tears me up. And what's that like when your son is dealing with a potentially deadly cancer, like that helplessness that you have, I would imagine, like, what is that like to see your son suffering like that?
0: Um, as I mentioned it, I want to say it was all, you know, I was strong and faithful, but there were moments of brokenness. There were moments of anger. There were moments in when I cried out, there were moments when I would you know, say, take me, not him kind of thing. I'll gladly take what he has if you'll exchange it and I'll give it. But then there was this, this afternoon, it was just a random afternoon in which I'm just driving along. And um, I had this idea that came to my head. It's inoperable. We don't know if he's going to survive. If he does survive, we don't know whether or not he's going to make it through with full functioning, anything in mm-hmm. his body whatsoever. It's so a brain tumor on his brain stem, which is right there smack in the head. middle of your yeah. head. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's all that. Uh, but, and, and I just, I thought to myself, what if he doesn't survive? What if he doesn't make it? And this thought went through my head. If he doesn't make it, I might live another 45 years, but I'll have him for eternity after that 45 years. Mm-hmm. So it's going to I don't want that, but that reset everything in my life. It's 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 hurtful and painful and miserable to have to go through through hardship. I mean, and there are people listening right now. They're going through things right now mm-hmm. in which they never envisioned that they would have to go through. I mean, something like a divorce. I mean, it, it is catastrophic to people and yet there is a moment in in our lives where where we just have to, again, agree with what God says about us. It doesn't feel like it, but there is this measure with which we press press in. And for our son, that's what I said. I said, I might miss him for another 45 years, but I'm going to have him for eternity. Mm. Now, I pray nobody has to get to that point. Right. Yeah. Um, But that's kind of where you have to come to. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Faith is interesting because it's, it's otherwise sane people believing in the insane. And you're, you're asked, especially the Christian faith, right? You're asked to believe in a human being or, a, you know, God displayed himself through a human being died. Rosie, so you're, you're being asked to believe in something that just sounds completely unbelievable and stories that you weren't a part of that you're supposed to believe in and just laying my cards out on the table. That's where I'm at right now. I grew up in the church. My parent, I mean, every single Sunday, it didn't matter if we were in town, out of town, our butts were in the pew and we were going to church. And really when COVID struck and we weren't able to attend was the first time in my life I really had time to think, question and doubt and wonder, what do I really believe in? And so that's the journey I've been on. And again, I'm just, this is really the first time I'm verbalizing it, (laughs) to be honest with you. That's the path I've been on these last two years is what do I believe in? because I've been taught this one thing, but is it all real? Is it all truly, did it all go down how it's, how I was told it went down, but what I can't deny and i and what I'm discovering is that hope that you're talking about. So whether you believe or you don't, you can't deny that somebody like you has a hope that's just not, you can't find that anywhere else. And there's value in that for you personally, for your family, so even if you want to look at it selfishly, there's tons of value in faith and so I don't know that, that was all word vomit that's just no the I mean, that's, that I and just, that's
0: brilliant and I, and I applaud the fact that you, you were able to vocalize that because everybody needs a crisis of faith everybody needs an opportunity to make it their own and getting back to, you know, a a generation that's now in their twenties and thirties that grew up in an environment where everything was, was presented to them. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I mean, trophies for everybody, everybody's a winner, everybody succeeds, everybody's all this other, that's not real life, obviously. And so they had to have this conflict of faith. Um, And so the ability to wrestle with it is actually what qualifies you for the breakthrough that people need in your life. I mean, our, our daughter was raised in the church. She, you know, prayed to receive Christ at the age of six. She was baptized, all this other stuff. And yet at the age of seventeen, there was an opportunity for her to respond, you know, whoever wants to believe this, let's let's do it. She stood up. Mm-hmm. And I and I had other pastors around me going, Man, you didn't do your job. Yeah, well, you, you. you didn't raise yeah. your daughter right. Yeah. I mean, you should have she should have accepted Jesus when she was six years old. And I and I would just look at him. And they would say, well, that's pretty cool about Bella, but what's the deal? I said, it finally became hers. Yeah. <laughs> it finally became hers. Yep. Yep. And until it becomes yours, getting back to your point, it's not mine. It's my parents. Right. It's my grandparents. It's somebody else's. It's the pastor's. I mean, somebody, you know, a lot of people just rely on the pastor to tell them what to believe. Yeah. Yeah. No, not at all.
2: Well, tell them what they believe as long as they agree with it. Yeah yeah (laughs) you know I mean that's where we're at it's like oh no I need to try another church because I I don't like what he's saying it doesn't doesn't fit my my mold yeah my life
1: yeah we've we've made faith easier maybe than ever because it it manifests as just showing up one day a week and checking the box and then living my normal life showing up or (laughs) during the week
2: sitting on your couch and watching right or yeah
1: or just watching online we've made it even easier than that you're right yeah and that's what I wanted to ask you about and and I'm, I'm really wanting more of your opinion than any uh, facts, if you have it, but it does at least anecdotally feel like less people are attending services. People are starting to, in my age group are starting to not walk away, but you know, struggle and, and doubt what's going on in your opinion or, or what does the research say is going, why is that true? First of all, are we less church? Is that even a is that even a noun? Are we less church or a verb? Less churched? Less churchy. <laughs> are people leaving the church? Is that true, number one? And number two, if that is, why is the, what's
0: What's going on there? To you answer your question, yeah. Latest studies have, have indicated that less and less people are attending church on a regular basis. What qualifies, and I think now for a regular attendee, I think Barnes says now, if you attend two times a month, most people consider that themselves an active member of a huh. church. Um, so obviously that is you know, diminished yeah. from what we would consider an active participant. I mean, if you showed up to your job two out of five days. Yeah. It, okay. Wouldn't call me an active. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that would, that would not be an active employee. Well, <laughs> now with the hybrid work model, no. we are showing up
2: two out of the five days. So again.
0: <laughs> but it's a variety of reasons. Sure. Um, one in which I think that we haven't given space for people to make their faith their own. We have this been more too much of a dogmatic approach. This is what you must do. This is what you must believe. This is what you can do. This is what you can't do. And unfortunately, what I think we've done is we've, we've made the safeguards, the gospel. I don't know if you understand what I mean when I say, um, can't do this. Don't do this. Shouldn't go here. Must go here. So the safeguard has become the gospel, the, the, yeah, the The the, bumpers on the bowling alley, all that are the, yeah you know, the, the fence has become the gospel. As long as you stay in this fence, then you're okay. Mm. The problem is that's not biblical. Jesus says, I take you to an open field and you can have at it wherever you want to go. I mean, cause where does it take? What, what more discipline does it take? Does it take more discipline to stay within the fences or to go into an open field? Well, obviously an open field, right? Because everything is permissible. Not everything's beneficial, obviously. Huh. But with, with Jesus, he says, it's all yours, take it, and entr- entrust that to us. Um, but what we've done, I think, a lot of times is we've commanded people to fall in line with certain theological constructs that were never part of the original message of Jesus. Yeah. In addition to that, I think a younger generation, it's its experiential for most everybody. If I can't see it, if I, if I haven't experienced it, then I'm going to have every reason to doubt it. And so the, the faith or the ability to put your faith in something that you haven't experienced um, is mitigated by, again, yeah. just just because I said so.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's where I'm at. Because even listening to your story, you're sitting there, you said I was going through the CDs, putting them alphabetical order, and I heard God's voice. What I hear is, well, that was your voice. How do you know that was? So that's what I always think. of. Well, how do you know? And, ma- and maybe you don't, for sure. That's where faith comes in. But that's—I don't know—that's just the 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 lens I see things now. Is you know we can attribute it to God doing these things in our lives, but how do we know that that's wasn't just—I don't know—whatever. Just me, just me
0: thinking that out. Loud. Right. Either, either way, yeah, it still worked out. It, but yeah. It, so it, whether it, or not it was me or right. some ethereal kind of nebulous thing out in the greater ether of mm-hmm. of the universe,
2: yeah. And, and back to that that conversation I had with um uh with my atheist teammate it was it was like okay so here's the deal is i i live life believing this feeling the freedom of it without the constraints Mm -hmm. of performance and all this and i'm wrong we both end up in the same place anyways that's right that's a good point i mean it's you know what hey maybe i'm an idiot. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm a sheep. Maybe I'm all these things that you say that I am. And if I'm wrong, guess what? We're in the same place. But at least I lived a life that was free, yeah. and and had something bigger than myself. And that's that's the life that I'd choose, uh, and I'd choose it over. And so, I, I get i i I feel you because I I was like your daughter. I went to church. My grandfather was a minister, and every Sunday and I was baptized in eighth grade, had no idea who Jesus was. And it took me failing, struggling, wrestling with the identity, all of that. And then at 28, realizing I needed to raise my hand Mm -hmm. and I needed to do it. And and, and it does have to be your own experience. And, And you talk about like, oh, you just, how do you know that that's your voice? Or I hear this and it's a, I think it's it's one of those things that like for me when I when I feel that hey, look, this is from God, it's a feeling that nothing else, there's like. no other experience that that I've ever felt like that. not getting married, not having a child, not making an NFL roster, all these things that I want mm-hmm. that when I feel like, hey God is is present with me right now, like that's a completely unique feeling. And I think you've just got to go through that and you've got to be, like you said, on your own faith journey to to actually feel it. Yeah. Like, I don't think that God says, hey, just blind faith. Like, I'm not going to give you any, any help at all. I'm just going to, you just believe in me because the book says so. Like, I don't think that that's, that's the God that I serve. I think the God that I serve is like, hey, I want you to feel my presence. I want you to be confident in this. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to stand in front of you like I did Moses, but right. it is, it, you know, I'm, I want you to know that I love you and I want you to feel that love. Mm-hmm. That's good. I don't know. That's my, sorry, that's my no, surprise. No, that was good. That was really <laughs> good. Preacher. grandfather was a preacher. Grandfather was, a preacher. Yeah, I was a saying, are you a <laughs> pastor? <Patrick? laughs> so
1: where, where does somebody like me take it then? Like, how do I start to, and again, I know it's personal, but. I don't even know where to start.
0: Yeah. I just start asking questions, asking questions of, of, of people, maybe that, that have something that you want. Maybe you see something, somebody around you. Maybe you see somebody who, who, you know, maybe you work with somebody and for whatever reason, there's just something different about that mm-hmm. person, uh, you know, whoever it happens to be. Um, maybe just, Hey, you know, man, things are, our business is not doing well, but every time you show up to work, it's just like you have this countenance about you that doesn't match up with what is actually going on Mm. around you. Right. Tell me what that's about. And they, you know, they'll have an opportunity to share something with you and and again, just take the next step and ask questions about individuals. Yeah. Um, I I tell people all the time, find somebody that has what you want Mm -hmm. and then go ask them how they got there. I mean, but again, it's vulnerability. Mm-hmm. It's being vulnerable that I don't have all the answers. I don't, I don't, ha- I can't answer my own questions. Yeah. yeah, And that can be threatening to a lot of, especially in an age in which I can pull up more information on my phone in 30 seconds than my dad could have pulled up 30 years ago in all of the law books that he had on his wall at work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it's the information that we receive. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. It's, Prevalent.
1: Yeah. You got a lot competing in the head. Yeah. Yeah.
2: We, uh, we went through a book called wisdom pyramid. I don't know if you've read it. Um, but just kind of talking through that. And one of the, we're in, uh, we're in an age that is totally unique and it's, it's essentially it's my own truth, my
0: truth. It's true to me. Cultural relativism yeah. is what it's called.
2: Yeah. yeah. So you forget he's a psychologist.
1: Yeah. So there you go. Background. So he he actually so, has terms for what us meatheads yeah, spit out. Uh, <laughs> that's right.
2: You know it's true, but it's Buddhist for you, but it's nobody else. You just make it up. <laughs> that's right. See? <laughs> See? Get it. <laughs> <laughs> but but and, and that's and that's what's and, and I think that's that's it it's just it, it, we have to ask questions we we have to we have to pursue it and it's very in my sh- short life and idiot, idiotic filled life is uh i i do think that it is a pursuit and i don't think that very few people does it just go smack in the forehead when you're not pursuing it mm. um and i think just asking questions and like you said talking to those people that just have that light about them right there's just something different when they walk in a room it changes mm-hmm. um and i that to me and and this sounds super cliche and i'm literally doing this for the first time i've i started the bible recap you know trying to read the bible in chronological order i've literally tried it 3 times <laughs> have gotten, have gone through Job twice (laughs) and that's it. (laughs) So, so full transparency. And so, but now I'm actually like listening to the Bible straight through. And for the first time, there's a deeper connection. Like we can read all these nonfiction, how to psychology books, success books, leadership discipline. We can do all of those. And I know you and I both love those books. But at the same time, there's something about that. Like they don't call it the living word for no reason mm-hmm. because there is a relationship that comes out of that. And it sounds super cliche. And like so sometimes I cringe when people are like, well, if you want to get close to the Lord, just read the Bible. <laughs> and it's like, thanks. I get it. Thanks. <laughs> cool. Yeah. No, tell me how to do it for right. real though. You know yeah. what I mean? but, but in reality, what I am discovering, even just listening to it, is is there is a a deeper understanding, and and there is there is actually a, a relationship strengthening that has been coming from it. Mm-hmm. Not there yet, um, but it I get it for the first time. And but that's it. Is like it's like oh, you could tell me a million times, but until I actually felt it, it wasn't real. Yeah.
1: Well, that's the fascinating thing about the Bible, and you know this better than we do. Is is a lot of those lessons and principles you're talking about, you can find them in that book. So you know a lot of the
2: your your compass, if you will, it's right there. Yeah, but right I think there the Bible book. a lot of times. In, sorry, we're just rolling.
0: He's a third party observer.
2: drink <laughs> on the way out. Sorry.
1: What is the psychological thir- term for being a third party observer? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but but I I do think that in in Christianity, especially it's, it's a how-to book. Like we take it as a how-to, like how do I find happiness? How do I find success? It's in this book. The answers are here. Like I'm a logical thinker. Tell me what to do and how to do it. And like, it'll tell me here. And that's, that's, I, I don't think that that's what it's meant for in my experience. And and like, and, I, and I'll watch my wife and, and who she is in her life and walk when she's consistently in that book. It's a it's a relational. It is one hundred percent a relationship as you dig into it and you learn more and know who God is and you understand more how deeply He cares, right? And so you receive those benefits. But again, I think you are very much. He's like super structured, like very disciplined. Like okay, hey, hey give me give me a map and I'm gonna get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's incredible. But I, I do think that there's more to the book than just a how-to.
1: No, I'm for sure an overthinker. I think too much. That wasn't a good. shot. And no, I'm sorry. No, that's no, not, that I'll, wasn't me like, Hey, bro, please take more you're shots. broken. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's how, and maybe you could analyze me here. <laughs> no, I do. I you don't I, want I, that. I, I overthink. Yeah, I, I, you want to lay down? I can, <laughs> <can just. laughs> it's like Darren always talks about some of the best football players he ever played with are the guys that were dumb as rocks.
0: Yeah. Cause they just, they kept it simple. They just kept it simple. They just keep it simple. And I overcomplicate. And, and, and yeah, I mean, standardized tests were the bane of my existence because I always that the answer can't be that easy, <laughs> yeah. you know, especially when it came to m- especially when it came to me really, really fast. I'm like, well, that's the answer. No, nah, it can't be. That's oh, too I mean, easy. Oh,
2: wait, I couldn't have come up with well, yeah. the right answer. No chance. Well, there's, there's <laughs> but no that's that's that. what
0: we do with life though. Yeah. I mean, that's what we do with our faith. That's what we do in relationships. That, that's what we do with our jobs. That's what we do with our health. We overcomplicate it as opposed mm-hmm. to keeping it just very simple and very straightforward. I mean, if you want an opinion of what you're supposed to do in order to lose weight, you can jump online right now and find 17,437 ways to lose weight. It's pretty simple stuff. Calories in calories out. That's, that's the way God designed it. It's very, very simple. Not to say that there isn't any benefit. I mean, I made my livelihood for a long time teaching people fitness, but it's the same thing with faith. And it's the same thing with, um, issues and problems and troubles. There's no, there's nothing inherently wrong with psychology or cognitive behavioral therapy. I mean, that's what I studied, you know, in school, but there is this intermingling, I think that needs to happen between, you know, what the world says with all its technology. I think you guys have had Dan, you know, Daniel Amen on your show. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, there's a guy that has more brain scans of more people. It kind of makes me nervous when I'm around <laughs> him. He's like, hey, you scare me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, it demonstrates for us the fact that the physi the physical brain can be damaged and needs to be healed. And that could be part of the issue. Mm-hmm. But the other side of the equation is maybe I've done some things and I'm making some choices in my life that are creating this environment where my brain's never gonna be able to catch up. I mean, Mm. studies have shown that somebody comes in and they have depression, for instance, and they go in and they get medication for depression, um, but they do nothing to alter their behavior or their faith in any way, shape, or form. That medication is only successful 53% of the time. Mm. Now, if they go back and they tell the doctor, hey, look, this medication isn't working, and all of a sudden they prescribe another medication, in order for them to get out of depression and anxiety, that's only successful at or around mid 20% of the time, if nothing changes over here. right? So what, what science is actually teaching us is that in order to receive wholeness that science wants to give you, something over here has to be altered. Something over here has to be adjusted. And most of the time it has to do with agreements. I'm believing a lie. I give authority to the liar. As a result of giving authority to the liar, I'm going to manifest the lie as opposed to manifesting the truth. And that's where people find themselves in, you know, they create labels for themselves. Well, um, I have ADHD. Uh, No, you don't have ADHD. You just happen to be an active, active person. Um, There are ways in which to temper that down and to structure that in such a way that is a benefit to you. But I think so often. Yeah, getting out in nature, Tyler, remember? Mm-hmm. That helps with ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. Nature. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, naturally, we can do certain things in our lives in order to, to help us. But again, it all, it all comes back to what am I telling myself about myself? Mm. And anytime I agree with a lie, the, the natural outcome is going to be a lie, is going to be something that is not what. I believe the Lord has called us to be. I
2: want to take a quick minute to talk about our partner, Choctaw Casino and Resort. Uh, We are really, really humbled uh, and grateful to be a partner for them. If you've listened to the show for any amount of time, uh, you've heard how great the resort is there, how great the casino is, the new expansion. They've doubled in size, 3000 new slots. They've got unbelievable sports bar. They've got unbelievable restaurants, unbelievable movie theaters, arcades for kids, it is endless the things that they've not only improved but added um but it's just an the the experience that they provide is second to none Choctaw Nation has done an incredible job with the community with philanthropy with support um they have just done incredible things so we are extremely humbled and grateful to partner with Choctaw Casino and Resort make sure I know you know it it's just a short drive of 75 go check them out
0: and now back to the episode
1: Talk to us about that, how you balance science and faith.
0: Mm. Um, I, I think they work hand in hand, like I said. I think they're, uh, I was part of an organization in which um, we, Partnership for America was the name of it. And in the former administration, I was part of kind of a think tank in which we had scientists and then we had pastors and religious leaders from all different faiths that would get together and would have conversations about how these things work together in synchronicity with one another. And it was fascinating because all people, all we want, I mean, here's, here's for the most part, all doctors want, therapists want, pastors want, ministers want, and I would say a majority of people walking the earth, all, all anybody wants is for people to be well and whole. Yeah. So it doesn't matter to me, you know, whether and how you end up getting to that place. I mean, I have my bias and I know the truth and I believe in that wholeheartedly. It's the only way to have complete wholeness, but we just want people to get well. So under this form of administration, we'd get together about twice a year and we throw stuff up against the wall. And it's amazing how science is now is now demonstrating what was already known to be true um, throughout, throughout the Bible right. uh, about certain things. It's just, it's just incredible. It really right. is. So I balance those with, with an even-handed measure on both sides. Um, that, yes, it is necessary to take medication sometimes in order to help you. Absolutely it is. But if you don't alter your behavior and your faith and your choices, this is going to be mitigated mm-hmm. because you're not doing anything to undergird and support what you say you want. Um, you want to be a professional athlete, you've got to do some work. Well, it's the same thing for recovery. It's the same thing for marriage. Hello. If you're out there married and you're not working at it right now. Oh boy. Um, but it's the same thing for everything. Um, anything worthwhile is worth working for. Yeah. It's, it's worth going after.
2: Yeah.
1: Random. All right. No, go, ahead. No, no, go. I was just a random question. How, how much time do you spend in silence and, and deep
0: thought? Contemplative solitude. Great contemplative question. Solitude. Contemplative solitude is what I call it. I'm not trying to correct you. It's no, just when no. you say that, I immediately it go. Sounds no, way not, not correcting you, but
2: you're absolutely wrong. <laughs> you're no, a moron. This is what it is. <laughs> because, because if it's not contemplative solitude. dumber <laughs> yeah. now that we've just experienced
0: what you just said, so thank you. <laughs> it, I have to do that with myself because if it's not contemplative solitude, I'm taking a nap.
2: Yeah. Really, and it's, it's no, really. No, it's no that's what, real. It's, it's like meditation. Did you share that? Right.
1: We were talking about that a few weeks ago and, yeah, he said, I fell, I fell asleep. Literally. I, like, I, I, fell asleep.
2: I, I, I had a coach for a while that was like, Oh, you need to meditate 15 times, 15 minutes a day. And I'm like, cool. And so I sit there and it's like, all right, just clear your mind. So the second my mind is clear is the second that I'm asleep. So, <laughs> that <time.
0: laughs> um, honestly, I don't spend a ton of time in that no. mode of operation, mm-hmm. um, I'm pretty process and pretty, pretty busy uh, in, in what I choose to do, but I do purpose of a a measure of what I, what I call practicing the ministry of presence Mm -hmm. that to stay grounded where I am present in the moment. I'm not thinking about 47 things. Like I'm not thinking until we just start talking about what's going to happen tonight. You know, I'm here, I'm with you. I'm part of what is taking place right now. That to me is when I'm practicing, you know, envisioning what God has for my life. And what a
2: skill in this day and age. I mean, we literally talked about it. We're we're in uh, Ecclesiastes right now, uh, Ecclesiastes 3, and we're literally talking about that. And it's like all about like, hey, like all we do is vapor, right? It's, It's meaningless, but God does have... Uh, God does want us to be happy and wants us to enjoy it. Part of that is enjoying the process. Part of that is just being present and actually enjoying it. And, and our pastor was like, I mean, how many of you right now are answering emails or doing this or doing that, thinking about tomorrow, thinking about yesterday? Like the ultimate, what God means for us is to be in the place that we're at right now
0: and enjoy it. I mean, how many how many sporting events have you guys watched in which people have their phones out oh. and are videotaping oh the event <laughs> and they're not even part yeah. of. Yes. It, that is a microcosm yeah. of what you're talking about. Yeah. It's like, I'm here. Everybody look, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. No, you're not. Uh, you're you're there you're right. in the screen or filming your kid or you're filming your kid something. or doing whatever yeah. I uh,
2: said Ecclesiastes by the way it's Ephesians I apologize what is wrong with you I uh, see it again he <laughs> looked, I remember he's like oh, no I said it wrong fix <laughs> your <laughs> Bible Sorry. knowledge bro he's like I don't think that's I don't think that's what Ecclesiastes <laughs> says. <laughs>
1: I was going to let you roll with it. Yeah, <laughs> see, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. What's the term of allowing somebody to look like a moron?
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean, <laughs> psychologically <Mercy>. speaking, yes.
1: <laughs> psychologically speaking, of course.
2: <laughs> man, I love oh, it. Man. I love it. Okay, so we jumped ahead uh, and, and we started talking about you know psychology and ministry but how did you get from painting those lines on the field and how did you how did you hear what you from god what your purpose was like what was that process through in your mind saying okay hey this is the direction that i'm going to go
0: so again spray paint we're getting rewind yeah Yeah. sorry sorry how am i going to ever edit this well Uh, i I have adhd (laughs) get outside we'll finish So going back, um, again, I just wanted to be, it was just a matter of being obedient Mm -hmm. to whatever the next right thing was for me. Um, And that led to being part of this organization, Sports Outreach Ministry. We put on sports, athletics for for the community, football, baseball, soccer, uh, all the above. And we would run it just like a city would. The only difference is we would do, you know, devotionals. We would have an environment in which people would sign, you know, just this agreement. It wasn't a covenant per se. It was just this agreement. Hey, we're going to be edifying and encouraging we're yeah. going to take it easy on the referees we're going to allow children to play sports the way that they're supposed to play you sports parents signing that now yeah, yeah like well, today nope um, <laughs>
2: nah, i can't cuss at the ref uh-uh. uh-uh come on guys New we're league. Going across the street
0: <laughs> i mean we still have it pso prestonwood sports organization yeah, uh-huh, so uh-huh. it's there yeah um and it's it's open to the community yeah. and it just what it does is it is it gives the sport back to where it's supposed to be given the kids <sighs> yeah the, the kids is where the concept go i know right crazy what a concept. novel idea let's, let's actually let them have fun <laughs> and
2: receive the benefits of playing sports yeah there aren't ready. any
0: scouts at the age of six out there looking <laughs> oh, at well, you for college <laughs> yeah
2: i mean again we joke about it but nick saban is proving well, otherwise that he's offering scholarships to seventh graders yeah so. i know
0: well but the bottom line is, is, we're giving it back. So I took that, was brought on professional staff, was licensed and ordained into the ministry. And again, it's not something I pursued. Mm-hmm. It just was a natural outflow yeah. of my obedience to what, to what I believe was the next step in the process. I did not have a five-year or 10-year plan. That's not just the way I, w- I rolled. It, I present just, in the moment. Yeah, yeah, I take things kind of as they come. doesn't mean yeah. I don't think about the future, yeah. but I just kind of take things as they come. Mm-hmm. And that way, uh, I I never have to perform. Yeah. And that kind of gets back to what I originally talked about. It's all about performance.
1: Yeah, that's a freeing feeling because I used to be a planner big time, and I still am somewhat, but I have evolved in my thinking of just taking things as they come. And it re- it's so much better living that way as opposed yeah. to constantly planning, constantly stressing about the future constantly. Because, it, you know, what what's the... Forget the phrase, but yeah, it's based. I can't plan my life, like yeah. truly, honestly.
0: I have no control. Ultimately, yeah, yeah. no. It's kind of so, like it's kind of like what we're doing here, right? You know, there's no agenda. There, there's we don't have a list of things that we need to cover, right? But I think so. That,
2: podcasts that you've been on in the past, do they have those things? Sometimes they do. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine. Don't change. As
0: evidenced by our (laughs) rewind
1: 45 minutes just now, there is no script here.
0: (laughs) Don't change. Um, But but getting back, you know, so that's kind of the journey that it it took me on. Um, Did I ever want to go out and become a pastor? Absolutely not. That wasn't something that I had on my plan at the age of 19 years old. Um, the only reference I had, by the way, was a priest and, you know, <laughs> not married, married to the church, you know, mm, no, thanks. no, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. not something yeah. I want to become part of, but what I've came to understand is we all are ministers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. every one of us walk that walks this earth has a yeah. gift that they're able to give somebody else if they have see value in themselves. Yeah. Um, one of the big things that I've done recently guys is, is, you know, written material to help people exchange lies for truth. Um, it's called exchange life. And the material is designed to help people exchange the most commonly believed lies about who they are for the truth of what God says they are, you know, exchanging bitterness, anger for forgiveness, exchanging self-protection for trust, exchanging sexual brokenness for purity, but not in a way that's like, just stop watching porn. Right. I and mean, that, that's not the answer. It never has been the answer. But once you discover who you are in Christ, um, there's never been an issue with people having to go back and look at porn mm-hmm. because they don't agree with the lie. They yeah. start agreeing with the yeah. truth Well, it's, it's that
1: heart change you're talking about. Yeah, it's not exactly. a rule. It's a change of heart. Yeah. Exactly. You, uh, one of the, yeah, go ahead.
2: yeah I was to say one of the things you just mentioned, like the brokenness and, and I we spoke to, uh, a school, my wife and I together a couple weeks ago. And I was just so proud, like, of her. My wife is Italian, and she says it like it is. Like, she's like got zero filter. Come on! And so, what <laughs> <laughs> we great. love about her, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so we were talking to high schoolers, and you know, she shared her journey, and she just said, "Hey, listen, just because you make a decision doesn't mean you're broken for forever." Amen. And and she and she shared specifically with the girls. It was super awkward with me standing on stage next to her um, when she's talking to a bunch of, <laughs> of high school girls. Like, <laughs> Kind of just step out should've, while you uh, talk about this part, but, my uh, but at the same time, she's like, listen, just because you make a decision, just because you make a mistake uh, doesn't mean that you have to stay in that. Mm-hmm. And that was our story too, was neither one of us came into our relationship pure. And I had made the decision repeatedly prior to her and she'd been in a long term relationship. And first conversation, one, she asked me if I was circumcised and then two, she asked, she said, wait, hold not, on. What? Yeah, literally. <laughs> Three minutes into our conversation,
1: she asked if you were circumcised.
2: Yeah. She's like, uh, uh, "This is really weird, uh, but I have to know." Or this just isn't going to work. Are you circumcised? Like straight up. That's what I'm saying, very direct. And I was like, <laughs> what, "What was the point of that?" Well, I am the firstborn, so of course <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but I'm not the firstborn. But, uh, but how yeah. are y'all married? Because because <laughs> she was different. That that light that you talk about, right? Mm. There's some there was something different about her. And immediately from the second that we started dating and talking, it was like I want what she has, mm. and I will do anything and change anything and grow and do whatever I need to do to be the man that she deserves. Yeah. And so we waited until marriage. We went through our entire dating, an entire year. We got married pretty fast because I didn't want to wait any longer. <laughs> but but we were, and that and like. But to my point was like, just because you make that decision, just because you're a drug addict, just because you have a sexual addiction, just because you committed a, a crime or were whatever, whatever mm-hmm. it is, doesn't mean that that's who you are for eternity. It doesn't mean you have to live in that place your
0: entire life. I say it. I say it, your mess is your message. Yeah. Yes. Your mess is your message. Mm-hmm. And if you're willing to be honest about your mess, it'll break people free. I mean, I don't, I don't come on. You know, I don't talk about my story in order to, oh, poor Michael, look at him, yeah. look at what he's done. That doesn't have any. If it doesn't serve anybody's purpose, if there's no, nobody listening right now that is wondering how on earth they're ever going to make it through tomorrow without using drugs, um, my message means nothing. Yeah. But if I can, you know, communicate the idea that if that person's sitting here listening right now and wondering how on earth am I ever going to break free from this, um, but there's hope. Because you're listening to a guy that was addicted seven years every single day to a drug that, that they say cannot, you cannot break free from that cold turkey. Um, but there is hope, but you're going to have to take some steps. You're yeah. going to have to do the necessary work in order to, to help support what you're feeling. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's, that's good. So talk to us about the ministry that you're running right now at yeah. Prestonwood. I mean, along the lines of what we're talking about, but um just maybe being an encouragement to listeners. You you just said, maybe you're struggling with something right now, some form of addiction or some sort of, um, some sort of lifestyle that, that is blocking you from accomplishing what you were created to do or hindering you from experiencing relationships the way they were created, whatever it may be.
0: Yeah. The primary thing that I'm encountering now based upon the last two years, the ministry itself is life recovery. Um, Most people think of addiction, um, to substances when you heard the word recovery, but for us, it's actually recovering the life that you were intended for recovering the life that Christ intended for you. So it it involves depression, anxiety, fear, abuse, prodigal, um, just, just the gamut of various things. Uh, and that that's really what it covers. So to, you know, speaking to people who are struggling right now, again, it's a matter of getting honest. Um, what I'm discovering most right now, is the fact that people are angry. They are angry beyond anything. That, and I've talked to buddies of mine that are everywhere. Um, they are, people are so angry. And when you think of addiction, uh, it is a manifestation of anger. I'm not feeling what I want to feel, so I'm going to change the way I, so screw it, I'm going to feel the way I want to feel. Pornography is the same way. I'm not getting what I want, so I'm going to go get what I want. You're not giving me what I want. So I'm going to go get what. Can you can you hear the anger yeah, in that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's just a lot of anger and a lot of vitriol, and we turn it internally as opposed to expressing it in, in a way that's constructive, mm-hmm. and a, as opposed to just simply communicating the fact I'm angry right now. Yeah, that's how I grew up. Yeah. I grew up an angry, angry kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you now you wouldn't have known it because I had the ability to put on the face and be the you know, mis- it was basically you know. Prom King, pretty much, much. yeah. yeah. Um, But it was just angry. you all have that in Canada. uh, Prom Kings, uh, yeah. We had all that Minnesota, Minnesota. No, no, no. it's close enough.
2: Minnesota's in Canada.
0: (laughs) It's it's close enough. No, (laughs) no, it's (laughs) a joke. Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wisconsin. (laughs) They you don't have an accent, so throw me off. You know, Canada. I can get it back real fast. (laughs) But (laughs) what what I'm discovering in the ministry that we have at our church is the fact that that a lot of people are just really, really angry. Yeah, angry about the fact that. They don't have control yeah. over certain things. They don't have the authority to influence or affect whatever is going on in their life. The one thing that we don't have control of is what happens out there. The thing that we do have control of is how we respond to yes. what happens out there. Most people want to react mm. yeah. as opposed to respond. Yeah. And what our ministry tries to do a good is is help people respond as opposed to reacting because that only leads to problems down the road.
2: Yeah. So I, I agree it, but I disagree. I agree that people are angry. Um, and I, I disagree in the fact that people realize that they can't do anything about it. Cause I think that we can, I think that how we react or how we respond, respond. there you go, how we respond to it, but it, but it's not in the timeline that we want it to be. There you go. Right. And so how we respond to it in our household with our children, with our sphere of influence, our, our coworkers, our friends, um, how we do that is ultimately what's going to make the change. Now, yes, I do agree that we can't, we can't impact what's going on out there Mm -hmm. immediately and I get it, the frustration. I mean, it's we. whether you look at politically, whether you look at financially, whether whatever it is, right? There's so much to be just frustrated and angry about. But instead of just getting angry and throwing more fuel on the fire or retracting, which a lot of people are doing, and I think that there's a, a massive set of our population just like, I don't want to deal with I'm it. Out.
0: I yeah, deal just, with I'm it. out. Yeah, I'm out.
2: Deuces. That's why Montana's population growth is exploding. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I just, I can't deal with it anymore. And, but in reality, what you do today is going to impact what happens. What ten years looks like from now, and mm-hmm. we're we're always talking about. So worried about how my kids are going to have it when they're when they're grown up. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be terrible. And I'm sure when your kids were young, you guys said the same thing. Can you can you believe it? it's gonna be awful when my kids are when my kids are grown? And but well, he was right. Technically, it is. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. But we're still saying the same thing, and that. It's going to be even worse and worse and worse. But at what point do we just say, okay, how I respond to all of this is going to then show as an example to my sphere of influence, whether it is how to properly respond in a productive way to make that change. Problem is we're just continuing to just either allow it or we're reacting in a way that just Throws fuel
0: on the fire. That's right. You know, and for our kids, again, we have a 22 year old and he's back from college uh, right now. But I, I mentioned to him the other day, reacting and responding, the fact that how you act in the moment is going to influence 10 years down the road. Um, he's studying economics. And I said, Yeah, I remember what happened in 2008? He's like, I have no idea what happened in 2008. I said, you don't know what happened in 2000, you know, and went through the whole deal. He goes, no. I said, tell me something you do remember when you, when you were eight years old. He goes, I remember that time you took me fishing. Huh. So do you see where that, yeah. see where that goes? Yes. I mean, that's like straight to the heart. I'm like, yes. I'm worried about finances yeah. and everything's collapsing and political systems are falling apart and we're involved in a war and everything else. My kid doesn't have any recollection, yeah. but he remembers catching the bass when I took him fishing oh, yes. up at that pond.
2: Oh, that's That's so true. There, so true. Cause I mean, that's stressing. And and what we do is we pull away and we go, we go work more or we go save more or we go do something as opposed to, and this is, you say fishing. Like my kids have asked, Hey dad, can we go fishing? Probably 30 times in the last six months. It's like, Oh yeah, 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 we'll get to it. I think of the, uh, I think of the song, uh, by, uh, Cody Johnson,
0: until you can't. There you go. You there know. you go. Yeah. So he'll be going fishing. You can hold yeah. him accountable yeah. that he's going to be taking. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah. It's happening. And
1: I get to go to a, a, a preschool graduation. Tonight? Tonight, right now. You do it at night? What What is y'all's opinion on preschool graduation?
2: It's, I'm going to hold my opinion back for a no, second. No, I think, <laughs> I think it's... An absolute necessary rite of passage that they're never going to forget and you're never going to forget. Okay. Thank you. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) how come we haven't gotten the invitation to the graduation party?
1: Because it's, they're
2: in preschool. Yeah. Yeah. What are you graduating from? What? You play with toys yeah. all day. Well, hey, you're giving them a trophy for soccer.
1: That's my point. That's my point. We're having a preschool graduation. No, I'm trying. I'm trying to have a good attitude about you know what? it. We've, we've got. I need on. your. I need your. Your wisdom
0: and your. <laughs> your ministerial advice Ce- here celebrate it yeah. <laughs> celebrate. you can make it more special than just a preschool graduation no, you're right. Right. like you're right. you can take Thank them you. out to ice cream afterwards they're yeah. not gonna remember the graduation they'll remember, they'll remember the yeah. ice cream with dad 100 percent.
1: see that's why that's why i wanted to relax i knew For you would really. have something good to say
0: you know and i think we we judge our we just we judge our emotions we judge our motives personally so much as opposed to just allow, like i said allowing things to come to us and again my job, that's what I try to do with people. Mm. Um, stop judging yourself, you know, stop attributing motive to what other people are doing in your life. Half the time, they're not thinking about you anyway. Um, but you want to, you make it all about you as opposed to that. Um, and just be a peacemaker. That's kind of the way it works and keep it simple. I mean, pretty straightforward stuff. I love it. No better way to end it right there. I love it,
2: man. All right. So how can, how can those listening, you know, whether, whether you're here in DFW, North Dallas area or around the country, I mean, are there resources, are there things that they can look up that they can help them?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, we, as I mentioned before, I've got material called exchange life. Um, The best way to do that is really, is really honestly just to reach out to me directly. Um, You just life recovery at Prestonwood.org. Life recovery. Uh, careful, because all six of our listeners might reach out to <laughs> me. Well, I'm ready. Might be bombarded. I, I, so. I think it's more than that.
1: You're on YouTube, right? Because <laughs> yeah. that's where I found YouTube as well. Videos. Yeah. There,
0: if you if you search on YouTube, mm-hmm. there's stuff from Michael Perrin, uh-huh. um, and you can contact me kind of through YouTube as well. Peroni, Peroni, per-
1: pepperoni, Perio, Perio, per- 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 <laughs> You
0: did
2: say Perio. <laughs> it's not a sparkling water. Band. But here's the disappointing <laughs> thing,
1: and maybe I just didn't look hard enough, but I did type in. Michael Perrone, Abs of Steel, and I couldn't get any videos from yeah, back in the day. That's okay. I got to buy the VHS, I Scru- guess.
2: It's- <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of scrubbing done by,
1: by I, Wood. I Trust me, I went back and like, you know, take that off of there. Press by Preston
0: Wood. Take that, take that off of there. Um, we can't have a minister showing off his abs. <laughs> that, that's one way, and just, just a shameless plug for something um, that I've created. It's called Prescriptions for Freedom. And prescriptions for freedom takes on a particular issue, uh, for instance, depression. Takes on depression, and it says, "All right, what is the clinical background and supportive evidence of what depression is?" And so we define it by the by the system of the clinical side of things. Then we take a look at the Bible and define it by the biblical side of things, and then we go after what are the root issues for depression. The Bible. It communicates all things, in my opinion, according to truth. Mm-hmm. And so depression, there's things called spirits. They actually call them spirits. It's not you know spooky, weird stuff. But in the Bible, there are these 14 root spirits that are specifically mentioned, spirit of heaviness, spirit of anger, spirit of joy, spirit of jealousy, so all these different things. Mm-hmm. And we take depression and line it up according to what the Word of God says. and says, look, this is the spirit of heaviness. It's the spirit of haughtiness. It's just all these different spirits. Yeah. And so it's this thing that I've just written. I mean, we are yet to even go to publish, hmm. and so we're looking to just to find support. If anybody's out there and they want to support this endeavor, prescriptionsforfreedom dot Prescriptions for freedom, and that will be a book or just a. It's going to be different pamphlets that we're going okay. to produce, okay. and we're going to we're going to give out the material to treatment centers, to churches, to awesome. all all kinds of other areas that it will supplement kind of what they're learning and what they're going through. But we're just, we're trying to raise it. We've, we have a, a publisher that's ready to go. Now we just have to, you know, get the resources done uh, to, to get awesome. it published out there. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, we'll put that out. We'll, yep. uh, we'll throw that on our social media as Thank well. You. Get that out Thank there. you so for sure. And, and I make it a point to, to say this just
1: almost every episode, every time we talk to a guest and we've had multimillion dollar CEOs, famous world, famous doctors. I mean, anybody we've, we've had a, world famous athletes, and their stories always end up back at serving other people somehow, some way it always comes back to service and that's what you're doing. And that's what's what I love about your story is it's all dedicated to people yeah. and bettering people. I love people. Yes. I really it's, do. It's a parent for sure. So awesome. thank you so much for your time. Absolutely, this was awesome. Yeah. Was Absolutely. A blast. Thank you for good good time. to time. We're, we're yeah.
2: excited for, for our community yeah. to to share this because I think there's uh like you said, we we all hope for people just to be well and healthy. And I, and I think that I know for sure there will be somebody that's impacted by this and moved closer in that direction. So thank you. Right on. Thanks guys.
1: Appreciate it. All
2: right.